0: Hey, everyone, it's Pastor Mike Adkins, and I want to welcome you to Next Steps, where the teaching pastors of Grace Church help you focus on taking a next step in your spiritual life. If you're not listening there already, I invite you to take a moment to download the free Grace app. It's the best place to hear and share messages and to get connected with what's going on here in the life of our church. Just search Grace Church Orlando in your app store or head to discovergrace.com forward slash app to find it. Pastor Clint Harrison and Pastor Grant Nixon and I hope that these podcast conversations will help you take your next step toward Christ. Hey guys, we're back with another episode of our Next Steps podcast. I'm here with Clint. How's it going? And Grant. Yep. And we're excited to be able to <laughs> that, was, that was wonderful. Yep. And we are excited to be able to be here with you guys. Um, we are talking about uh, a difficult topic today, yeah. uh, but one that I think is particularly relevant to just all of us. Um, The question that we're going to be looking at today is, what do we do when tragedy strikes and God no longer seems good? All of us have either gone through something like that in our own life, or we know people who have had a sudden uh, and dramatic change of circumstances. One in which it really has caused us or it's caused them to reconsider the goodness of God. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are times when bad things happen and we just look at, at, at God and we say, well, why didn't you stop that? Why, why didn't you do that? I think it's important for us to start with recognizing that when God originally created the world, he created the world in this perfect environment for human flourishing. Mm. Like he designed Eden to be a place where everything would be perfect. Everything would be wonderful. Adam loved Eve with a perfect love. Eve loved Adam with a perfect love. They loved the world. Everything was in perfect harmony until we began to go our own way and rebel against God. And of course, that sent shockwaves through all of history because now sin is, you know, we are born into the world with sin and a part of us that wants to defy God and to live on our own terms apart from him. And what we've seen just over the generations is that that ultimately causes all kinds of pain and all kinds of suffering, which leads us to the place of what do we do when we find ourselves going through difficulties and God doesn't seem to be the quick answer? Before we
1: answer the question and, and really talk through the framework, I just want to say if you're here and you're listening and you are in an incredible amount of pain or sorrow or, or whatever's going on in your life and you almost don't want to be listening to this, uh, hang in there. Like, it, yeah. it, there is, there is hope. Yep. and and good is ahead, and and so we want to speak to this, and so hang in there to listen through it. We're going to try and you know put a framework around it and bring some encouragement. Maybe if you're dealing with something really heavy right now, that's a
0: good point. You know, I mean, honestly, all of us have gone through. I mean, mm-hmm. the three of us have gone through stuff like that before. I mean, we've had those moments in our life. We have not always had everything easy, which might be surprising to some people um, who would look at us and say, you know, you guys are on stage talking to. You know, lots of people, and you must have your life all together. That's not always the case.
2: No, not at all. I mean, you know, we've—I'm sure we've all experienced it, uh, and it's difficult, right? You experience it in your family, and you experience it in the world around you, and then even you experience it in your own body, right? And just yeah. out of nowhere, bam! Like the the brokenness of a world hits, because that's, right. that's one of the reason it's hurt. It hurts so bad is that uh, we were created for Eden. Yeah. <laughs> we were created right. for perfect fellowship with God. And that's what we want. Like, that's what we're in search of. And even, even honestly, when we pursue sinful things, that's what we're looking for. That's right. You know, we're looking for that Eden. And when the brokenness Mm -hmm. of creation hits and and you feel it in your own family and you feel it in your own body, um, yeah, it's it's tragedy. And it's honestly, it it is, um, it kind of turns you upside down. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't, I, I don't know what to do with this. So. So right. yeah, Pastor Mike, how do how do we start uh what's what's a healthy kind of framework for us as as followers of Jesus as we deal with deal with this issue?
0: Well, I mean, I think at first glance it's it's hard to uh it's hard to think about suffering without recognizing that it is deeply personal. Mm-hmm. In other words, this is not an abstract theoretical concept that we're talking about. This is real world, real situations, real life situations. Yeah. And so each and every one of the situations is a bit idiosyncratic, meaning that they are mm-hmm. each and every one of them are unique yeah. cases. And so I think we can pull some general principles as a whole. But I'm, I think I'm interested in the idea of what do we do when God doesn't seem to be solving the problem. You know, you come home and you find that there's a test and something terrible has happened to you medically. Where is God in that situation? Mm -hmm. We, you know, as pastors, we have the opportunity to be in people's lives all the time with these kinds of traumas and difficulties. And we, you know, what happens when, you know, this pregnancy is just so everybody's so excited. It's the promise of new life. It's a family starting and then they lose the baby. Like what happens Mm -hmm. in those circumstances? How are we supposed to look at God and say, you are good? Because I think like the tension inside of our hearts sometimes is we have this theological understanding of who God is, and that is he's all-powerful. I mean, that's the definition of God. That's a definition of God. I mean, a God who's not all-powerful and in control of all things really isn't much better than us. He might be a better version of us, but that's not what the Christian God is. He is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-loving, but sometimes those concepts can be in conflict with each other in our minds. You know, how could a loving and good God allow a child to die like that? Uh, why wouldn't he step in and stop it? Because I think, you know, those questions, first and foremost, are super valid questions. Uh, one of the things I love about King David in the Old Testament, uh, in the Psalms, is that he, we, we find him often almost like crying out to God in desperation of, tell me your character, mm. because what I see in you right now doesn't match up with what I know you are. Mm. And so I think sometimes for us, it's not that God has changed, but certainly that our perspective on who he is has changed because of the immediate experience of pain. I mean, pain makes us very myopic. It takes our focus from being real big and real large and uh, a total life view to just down to a small little fragment of what our life is. And when we find ourselves stuck in places like that, it's hard to see God for who he really is.
1: Yeah. I was was just listening to somebody say that um, vision is the answer to pain. Oftentimes Mm. it gives us a place to go. And so I think it's so important that we're talking about the framework of pain and, and problems and suffering because we need a place to go ultimately with our pain and with our suffering. And so, yep. yeah,
0: that's right. I think one of the things that we try to do is we try to maybe play a word game uh, with God, maybe with our ideas, we, we tend to think to ourselves, well, God certainly is, is loving and therefore would never cause suffering, would never cause uh, evil, um, which I believe true that God right. is not the source of, of evil. But we say things like God allowed this to happen uh, instead of causing this to happen. And I think that even the concept of God allowing something to happen like that's a little bit short-sighted. Maybe we're not seeing all the way through the problem. Let me give you an example. Let's just say that um, you're trying to get God off the hook by saying God allows bad things to happen. God allows certain circumstances to happen, and while we don't like them, he has allowed them to happen. But the problem is, when if God is allowing something to happen, he still, it seems, would be morally culpable for it. Like, for example, if I was standing at the top of a staircase, right, and I had a little child, a little toddler next to me, and he was unstable on his feet, and I just stood and watched as he tumbled down the stairs and was injured, Um, I would be morally responsible for that. I allowed it to happen. That doesn't get me off the hook. I would still be morally responsible for doing something in that moment. And so I think we have to think about God's will, maybe almost uh, Jonathan Edwards, a long time ago, he said that there were two wills of God. Mm -hmm. One is his really close will, and one is his far off will. And the really close will allows um, for us to look at circumstances that are evil or terrible or traumatic and say, these are bad. I mean, like we legitimately get to say this is wrong and we can question it and it's terrible and God's not for it. But then I think what's unique about you know, the Christian understanding of God and suffering is that God can simultaneously allow a bad thing to happen and at the same time use it for a great, inc- a great good down the yeah. road. Um, which I think for many of us, again, because pain focuses us inward, we don't see the long-term picture. We're just seeing the picture right now
1: yeah it's just like in genesis i mean joseph is literally betrayed by his brothers and thrown into a hole and then he goes into slavery right. and then years and years and years pass and joseph ends up becoming the prince he's like second to pharaoh mm-hmm. and his brothers come back he meets his brothers and he has all this power and all this wealth and at the very end of genesis it says in fifty twenty, it says in there that what man intended for evil, God intended for good. And and that's exactly what um, happened in this case is that it seemed like from Joseph's perspective, like all these terrible things were happening, but God, like what Mike was talking about is he was remotely at work. And That's he right. sees the big picture and he's like, I've got you. I love you. And he raises him up to be a prince and actually saves God's people through it. And during a famine. Yeah, a great and del- so, deliverance. Yeah. So incredible. I
0: mean, so many were saved because of what took, what took place. The thing I love about that story. And I love, Clint, that you brought that up because that story is so amazing. There are so many moments during it where it looks like everything's going bad for him. Right. He's sold into the pit. Right. Yeah. And then he's sold to the Ishmaelite traders. Right. He goes into Egypt. Potiphar's wife tries to take advantage of him. He gets thrown into jail because of that. Then he's going to get out because he, you know, he uh, interprets a dream for somebody and then they forget about him yeah. and then he gets out. And finally he is elevated to only second in command to uh, Pharaoh himself. So it's an incredible story, but the story only finds fulfillment in the end. And I sometimes mm-hmm. think that that's the very nature of suffering. Mm-hmm. Like there are no super great clear answers in the short run. I think sometimes sometimes, We just have to bear it, and And we have to bear it together. That's
2: exactly right, and I I always think about it in those situations. Immediately, I naturally go to why. Right. Why? Right. Mm. And we're never guaranteed to, one, ever get that answer, and then number two, that we would even comprehend that answer. So rather than ask why, I I try to ask, like, you know, where? Like, God, where are you? And the answer is always right there. Like I'm, I'm close I'm to you. the brokenhearted. That's like right. I'm, I'm with you, and it makes me think about um, the way that the way that I see God's control. It's so. Like, God is in perfect control. Like, that's objective truth, right? But when we suffer, suffering, it it tends to make me, anyway, replace objective truth with with subjective. Like, I'm looking at God now through this lens versus versus who you are. And so there's a story I I know you guys have never heard before. I don't think I've ever shared it. Um, So my oldest son is named Maxim, which is uh, not a normal American name for sure. (laughs) Uh, But it doesn't come from America. It comes from... um, uh, Uzbekistan. So when I was in college, uh, I had a friend of mine using a fraternity with me. He lived a couple doors down from me. His name was Maxim Sisuev, and, and that's where he's from. And um, just a, a really, really interesting, cool guy. Um, and uh, one weekend, he said, "Hey, I'm going on a trip and going to New Orleans uh, with with some friends." And um, so he piled in the car. And um, and so while they were on their way to New Orleans, they were in a car accident and uh maxim and uh, my friend beth my friend Lindsay, um they were all killed in that car accident oh my and i remember getting like getting the news and just being absolutely devastated and i remember going to a house we just went to somebody's house off campus and there are just I, I don't know a hundred people there just gathering around going what is going on mm-hmm. um and i remember stepping away from everybody because uh, someone, you know, Christian studies major, I literally had a Bible in my hand. Uh, cool guy like that, and you know, people <laughs> were saying, "Hey, people want to hear what you have to say." What? Mm. what? What I have to say? Because in that moment, like I was viewing God through that lens of you, like you're not supposed to let this happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're this is this isn't who you mm-hmm. are. You know what I mean? And uh, I remember I, I went into a bathroom by myself. And uh, I opened the scriptures and, you know, like I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what to read. I don't know what to think. And I just remember going like just thinking like, God, you've got to give me words here. And, and I don't even know what to think anymore. Like I've never experienced something like this. And it was just, as clear as day, um, it was like he said, I am exactly who I have always been. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm here right now. And I remember going out in that living room with all those people and that's all I told them. I said, I don't know why this happened. And I don't know what tomorrow will be. I don't know what we're supposed to do now. But God is exactly who he said he is, and he's with us right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like that's something that has helped me so often as I've sat in the hospital with my own daughter mm-hmm. in, the, in the hospital bed or as I've gotten to a doctor and gotten news I didn't want about my own body. God is exactly who he said he is, mm-hmm. and he's, his control has not changed. Yeah. Um, and he's with me. Yeah, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely everything.
0: So I think one of the ch- one of the challenges too is kind of thinking through um, when bad things happen to you. Mm-hmm. Did I cause it? Yeah. Like, what yeah, did I do wrong? Gonna, what, did, what did I yeah. do wrong? Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that's a very natural response from people, um, but but I do think it's a bit misguided. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that we can always look we just said a minute ago that I don't think that we don't think that the answers are always readily apparent. Like why something happens is not always mm-hmm. available to us. At least on this side of paradise. Right. right. Of course I mean if we get to heaven and God gives us the clarity of all that we have perfect sure. sight. Man, that's gonna be a great that's gonna be a great day when we can figure all that out. But on this side of paradise I think we're gonna struggle to try to figure out the why and sometimes the why becomes very personal. Mm-hmm. Like did I do something um that 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 then made God mad, and therefore he did something back to me, um, but I think the very nature of that is presupposing something bad in God, you know, mm, yeah, uh, it presupposes that God acts like we do, that um he is vengeful in the way that we are vengeful, or mm. he gets angry in the way that we that uh that uh, we get angry. I mean, the Bible says that the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God, and if mm. that's the case, the righteousness of God doesn't bring about that same kind of anger, you know, and so I think while we do have images and, and examples of God being angry in the Bible, I think we personalize stuff way too much when it comes to our own suffering.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's because we forget how we relate to God. Right. It, we, like, we are his children. Yeah. And it says that he doesn't deal with us according to what we deserve. Yeah, like our he, transgressions. Yeah, he gives us grace. Like, yeah. he absolutely gives us um, grace. And so... Yeah, I, I think that's a. I, I agree with you. I think it's a. It's a kind of a misguided question, um, and it forgets a lot. It forgets how God sees us, how God relates to us, our st- our right standing before Him as mm-hmm. children, not enemies, not foreigners, not not right. any of that, but as right. as children. Um, and then and then I I also think though, to be quite honest, like there are times where maybe we have done something where now sure. we're experiencing something as a result of that. And what do we do with that? And and I think there's that idea of, is God angry at me? Is he just smacking me around or whatever? And no, that's not what our father's like at all. Right. And in Hebrews, it says that, it literally uses the phrase divine uh, discipline. Yeah. Like there's divine discipline. And he says, if I don't discipline you, you're illegitimate. Yeah. You're not mm-hmm. my kid. Yeah, But I that's love you. Right. You know, like I love you. So if you're my legitimate child, there's this divine discipline. And divine discipline is not about giving you a black eye. It's not about making you feel as bad as you made God feel. No, right. no, 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 no. Right. Divine discipline serves a purpose, which is to turn us to repentance, to turn us back to God. In fact, it's to pull us closer to that's him. That's right. exactly what it yeah, is.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Bible says that God uh, disciplines those he loves. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what a good father does. He doesn't just let you walk off a cliff. Right. He intervenes. He interjects himself into the equation. And, you know, the way that I like to make a distinction between those th- two things is because I've heard people say, God would never cause me pain. And I'm like, <laughs> read the Bible. Like, I mean, sure. all over the place, God is yeah. causing people pain left and right. And so yeah. I think that's kind of an untenable position. But here's what I have kind of come to over time. I think that God will allow hurt to happen in our life, but he won't allow harm to happen. Yeah,
2: that's mm-hmm. good. Man. And
0: that distinction that's is, good. I think, like super helpful. God will allow hurt to happen. In other words, um, I mean, I think it was C.S. Lewis, at least it's, uh, you know, when you're, in, when you're in doubt, you basically just quote, just C.S. C.S. Yeah. 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 But, you know, pain is C. God's C. megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Mm. Yeah. And so sometimes he'll bring pain, actively bring pain into our lives so that we reprioritize what's most important in the moment. Right. And yet at the same time, I don't think he causes harm. Harm is permanent defect. It's mm. permanent damage. It's permanent loss. And so the very nature of our relationship with God is that there are no permanent losses mm, right. for followers of Jesus. Mm, there are mm. no permanent damages. We will all be restored. We'll all be renewed. And so we do have some sense of hope because the future is going to be beautiful and bright for us because of what Jesus has done. And I love, Grant, what you were talking about earlier, because I do think it, it, you know, if we get to the point where we're thinking to ourselves every single time something bad happens that I'm responsible for it, it might mean that we have a gospel problem. Mm, it might yeah. mean that we see ourselves as making ourselves right with God, and therefore, when things don't go right, I'm at fault. That's good, yeah. you yeah. know. And so, I think I think we are, we have to get to the point where we recognize that our entire relationship with God is solely based upon His free will choice of us, which I love. I mean, I think that that really is a better definition of love than what the world's, you know, definition of yep. love is, which yep. is very transactional, mm-hmm. right? It's I'll love you. Uh, as long as you do what I want you to do and you'll love me as long as I hold up my part of the bargain. It's like a contract. Right. Whereas God says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So like when we weren't thinking about him, I didn't hate God before I became a Christian. I just didn't think about him. It wasn't interesting to me. It wasn't a topic of exploration at all. But then God came to me
2: yeah. You know, mm-hmm.
0: and he rescued me mm-hmm. and some of us he rescued at the real bottom you know of our life and others he rescued us in moments of joy and, 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 uh, and good times but God comes to us in these in these kind of places of our life and he begins to pour himself out to us that love is so much better than the love mm. of the world And, and then that what, that's what we need like that's what we need to hear like when I think about
2: suffering that's when I think about tragedy striking, to be quite honest, I, I don't need to know why. I just need to know that, like, that he's with me. He's with I just you. need to know, that, like, his care. And, and, and I think about, I, I don't know what anybody, you know, who's got their podcast open app, uh, podcast app open right now, I don't know what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you're hurting. But, like, the reality is God is exactly who he was before tragedy, like, That's right. hit you. That's right. And he's with you now. And and also, good is ahead. Yeah, because yeah. he's with you. That promise of good as head, good is ahead has not changed. You know, Psalm thirty says, "His anger is but for a moment, and his favors for a lifetime. a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning." That's I think right. he's saying he doesn't leave his people in sorrow. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. It's
0: never sorrow is not the last and final word. No, mm-hmm. that's the not. That's not our God. That's not His promise.
2: Good,
1: I Really like what both of you are saying and have been saying. It's not hurt it's hurt not harm Mm -hmm. and what we're doing is is they're 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 breaking down the filters that you see god like you you see god through a certain lens through a certain filter so when you look at your dad you see how he's disciplined you or how he's harmed you you automatically put that lens onto god Mm -hmm. and so when it comes to pain what do you, you just jump to? Well, obviously God doesn't love me. Obviously God's not there for me. Obviously, you know, you want the worst for me like, you, like my dad did or my mom did or my friend did or whatever's going on in your life. But no, 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 the, the filter is it's the gospel. It's that God sent his one and only son down to earth to live the life that you could never live and mm-hmm. to die on a cross for your sons. And even in that, God lovingly sent his son. He caused pain so that we could be free in Mm, Jesus, and so like that's that's the hope that we have. That's the hope that you have as as you face pain.
2: You Mm -hmm. know, the scriptures talk about a high priest. It says that he can offer he can offer sacrifices because he was afflicted as they are afflicted. Mm -hmm. Jesus in every way. In every way, Jesus willingly submitted himself to be afflicted like we are afflicted. Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. It's incredible. So, so the reality is, is I'm, I'm in the middle of tragedy. I don't need to know why, but I do need to know that Jesus knows. Like he absolutely understands. He has submitted himself to be afflicted as I am afflicted. And so he's with me. He can help me take that next step. And that's what tragedy does. Tragedy paralyzes us mm-hmm. where you go, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do next. And when and, and we get this, like, long list in our head of i got to do this, i got to do this, and I'm overwhelmed. That's what tragedy does. It's overwhelming us. It, it pulls you inward. It pulls you inward, and you can stop, and you can say, I, I don't have a million things to do. I just need to take the next step. And when you feel like you can't take the next step, Jesus is with you. Like, our high priest is with you, and he goes, I know how hard that step is because I've taken it. I've afflicted just like you're afflicted, yeah. and I'll help you. I will strengthen you for that next step.
0: The Bible also reverses that equation too, and says that we suffer, and in doing so, we have the honor of being able to suffer as He suffered. Yeah. And so there there's a there's a sense, in, and it's really hard in the moment. I mean, let's mm. let's just yeah. say that, right. yeah, 100%. like it is it is okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be mad at God. God's able to handle those things. Again, going back to King David in the Old Testament, he constantly was railing at God. You know, why, oh God, do you allow the wicked to prosper? You know, he's at his wits end. He's seeing everything that should be right is wrong and everything wrong is right. And Mm -hmm. and just, he's all kind of upside down. And God never rebukes him for that. God never gets angry at him because he's just bringing all of himself. And I think that is a major piece of what it means for us to take our next step when we hit you know, trials, tribulations, suffering, or tragedy. Mm. Our goal is to bring all that we are. And what that means is that we're going to bring all the brokenness. We're going to bring all the anger. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we have a really small view of God that he can't handle that. Yeah. Or that we're going to overwhelm him. Or that, like, I can't express my full measure of be feeling. be honest
2: with him. Yeah. I can't be honest with him, yeah, right?
0: Right. And so I think that's part of what we're called to do is to say everything that we need to say to God. That's part of, like, the spiritual discipline, if you will, of confession, you know, I yeah. mean, like we're yeah, we're, we're supposed to not just confess our sins, but our weaknesses, our fears, our angst, all of that kind of stuff, um, our hopelessness, even. And God is big enough to be able to endure under that. He's right. big enough to be able to deal with it yeah. and to help us and to direct us to take our next step toward Him. So, know, as
1: we're wrapping up, I just want to ask the question: So, if if you're a person who's maybe not going through tragedy, but you know somebody who is, right. you know, you guys, what do y'all think? How, how do we offer advice to somebody who's going alongside someone who's suffering?
2: Yeah, it's a great point, Clint, that we, the, one of the ways God provides for us is community and, yeah. and we can comfort one another. And, um, I, 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 the first thing I would say is, um, just be there, just be there. You, you guys, both of you guys, Clint and Pastor Mike, you both have been in situations that are bigger than you, right? Yep. like like where we as pastors we get phone calls to things and, and we have to be there for families and we're sitting here thinking in our head everyone else is probably thinking well pastor Clint's got the answers right pastor Mike's got the answers and we're sitting here going god what do you, what do you want me to do 100% and, yeah. and the best thing that we can do is just be there like yeah. just, the Bible tells us to weep with those who weep. Yeah. Like that is one of the most beautiful things we can do is literally be mourn the hands and mourn. feet of yeah. Jesus yeah. and be the be, like physically be there with them and yeah. hug them and sit there with them and be sad with them yeah. and just just be there. Yeah. I would say you don't have to have answers you, but you have to have a presence. Just be
0: there. Yeah. Henry Nouwen, um the Catholic writer, he says that the ministry of presence is a very important part of the healing process. Mm -hmm. Um, We had just, we just finished talking about the fact that God with us is one of the things that makes us feel whole. Yeah. The promise that he's not abandoned us and left us. Well, in the very same way as we are created in his image, we now have the same privilege and honor of being able to sit with those who are suffering to bear one another's burdens as the Bible says. Right. So we get to sit with them and we get to suffer with them. We get to struggle. That's, that's what, to, to bear someone's burdens, to the word bear, it means to struggle alongside with someone mm-hmm. else. And so that's our job. Our job is to be there and listen. I think on a very practical level, we don't have to come in with a bunch of solutions. That's right. Uh, we can kind of come in and, and say, hey, um, I love you. I'm for you. And, and I'm just going to be here with you. We're going yeah. to work this thing out together. Um, and I don't have all the answers, but we're going to try to find those things together.
1: Right. Yeah, so my wife, Jean, uh, she's a, she's a great staff writer and she is doing an article currently on people who are dealing with loss and how do they handle Christmas. Mm. How do they handle the well, holiday season? Yeah. That's great. And she said the one like determining factor that was like across the board is is they said they wish people would acknowledge that there was a loss. Yes. And I think about that as I go and counsel people and sit with people and maybe you're here and you're thinking, How do I help this person? It's okay to talk about it. Yeah. People want to talk about their loss. Yeah. They want to talk about their pain. That's right. And they want you to be there and encourage them and love them through it. So
0: that's right. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, we're at the end of our podcast. We hope that this has been helpful for you. And just know this, that the Pastors of Grace are praying for you. We pray for you regularly. yeah. And we know that God is with you no matter where you are. If you're in a moment of tragedy, if you're in a moment of difficulty, God is with you and so are we. Well, we will see you next Wednesday for another episode of Next Steps. Take care. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope to see you this weekend at a Grace campus near you. Get all the details and more resources at discovergrace.com.